Our opening words this morning are from the poet Marge Piercy. This poem is titled, Connections Are Made Slowly, The Seven of Pentacles. Connections are made slowly, sometimes they grow underground. You cannot tell always by looking what is happening. More than half a tree is spread out in the soil under your feet. Penetrate quietly as the earthworm that blows no trumpet. Fight persistently as the creeper that brings down the tree. Spread like the squash plant that overruns the garden. Gnaw in the dark and use the sun to make sugar. Weave real connections, create real nodes, build real houses. Live a life you can endure, make love that is loving. Keep tangling and interweaving and taking more in a thicket and bramble wilderness to the outside, but to us interconnected with rabbit runs and burrows and lairs. Live as if you like yourself, and it may happen. Reach out. Keep reaching out. Keep bringing in. This is how we are going to live for a long time. Not always. For every gardener knows that after the digging, after the planting, after the long season of tending and growth, the harvest comes. I invite you now to join in singing with our guests, the DC Labor Chorus, as they sing a song of the harvest coming soon and very soon. Thank you. 
morning we're going to have here today. <laughs> Welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I am Amanda Poppy. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. I am privileged to serve as the clergy leader here. And we are so glad to have you with us this morning. And we are especially glad to have with us our very honored guest this morning, Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton. Just in case you wondered how we feel about you. I'm going to introduce the Congresswoman uh, later, just before she speaks, but we are so delighted to have her with us and to have all of you with us as well. Our friends from DC Labor Chorus, as some of you might know, DC Labor Chorus has their rehearsals here. We're so delighted to host them and to be able to support the music that they create, the community that they create, and the justice that they bring in the world. So we're so glad to have you with us this morning to bring your music to and with us. Thank you. And all of you, whether you're in the room or you are joining us on Facebook or online, we are glad to have you with us. Visitors and guests this morning, we hope that you got a blue name tag so we know particularly um, to meet you and greet you. We do enjoy talking about what we've found here, um, but we are most interested to learn what it is that you are looking for. We hope you'll join us after the platform service for coffee and cookies. And I'm going to invite Maceo, our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, to just stand up and uh, smile and raise his hand there <laughs> um, so that newcomers you know in particular that um, although we are all eager to meet you, Maceo is in particular ready to meet you and to answer your questions and see how we might be able to get you connected in with our community. I also hope you might share your email with us. You can pick up a gold form, a little piece of paper to share that with us at the welcome table and you can drop that in the collection basket when it passes later. I invite you to check in on social media, let folks know that you're here and what an amazing morning we're having and then of course silence your electronic devices so you may be fully present with us. And now I'd like to invite Trang Duong to come forward and read our statement of purpose. This month, um, you can come on up, Trang. This month, um, I invited people to uh, nominate those uh, in the West community that they saw living with integrity, really living their values. And, um, and people actually loved doing that. It was really sweet to receive the emails. Oh, this person's amazing. And oh, they're all amazing. Um, what people particularly appreciated about Trang, who serves on the Board of Trustees, has been a leader in our anti-racism, anti-oppression, multicultural work. Um, uh, there's like 15 other things. Anyway, <laughs> that's what they really appreciated, that in addition to all of the public leadership that Trang holds here, she is also the person who, when you need something done, you call either Trang or Shayla, right? And then one of them is going to be doing it. So, um, so thank you so much, Trang. And I invite you now to read our statement of purpose this morning. Thank you, Amanda. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit with faith and human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. As Trang lights our community candle, I invite you to join us in the candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, 
the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Thank you, Trang. Ushers and folks who are arriving, there are seats in the front as always. So just come on down, you'll be fine. Um, and folks who are in the front, scoot over, make a little room. Thank you. Each week we ring a chime in solidarity with people around the world. This week I am particularly mindful of all who experience disenfranchisement, who are unable to have a voice or a vote in the matters that govern them and that concern their own lives around the world, in our own country, and here in the District of Columbia. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. I invite you now into a time of deeper meditation. Make yourself comfortable in your seat. Perhaps that's with your feet on the floor so you can feel the ground, whatever feels right for your body. Close your eyes if you would like or soften your gaze. Take a breath with me. And let it out. As you breathe in, breathe in love and send it out wherever it is needed. Breathe in justice and send it out wherever it is needed. Breathe in hope and send it out wherever it is needed. With every breath, we fill ourselves with life. With every breath, we send it out wherever it is needed. Breathe in peace and send it out wherever it is needed.
work for peace, shalom, shalom. We will live in 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 peace, shalom, shalom. In Jerusalem, peace, shalom, shalom. In Aleppo, Thank you so much, DC Labor Chorus. Well, it is a deep honor to um, introduce to you someone who I suspect needs very little introduction. Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton is in her 15th term as the Congresswoman for the District of Columbia. She serves as chair of the House Subcommittee on Highways and Transit and on two other committees on oversight and reform. That seems good and uh, the Committee on Transportation and Infrastructure. It all seems good. I will just tell you that in addition to her congressional service, um, Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton has been a civil rights leader and a feminist leader. She is a tenured professor of law at Georgetown University where she still teaches an upper class seminar. It's unclear to me how you fit that in, but okie doke. Um, um, oh, you know, she received her bachelor's from Antioch and then simultaneously her law degree and master's degree in American studies from Yale University, my alma mater, so I sure feel that. Um, citation of merit from Yale Law School, obviously the honors go on and on and what I think feels most relevant is that the citizens of the District of Columbia, the residents of the District of Columbia, know and have known for so many years that Eleanor Holmes Norton is their congresswoman and not just that she represents them but that she is there for them and represents their interests and that's really what I would say so thank you. It is a pleasure to have you with us this morning. I thank the senior leader for that introduction. Uh, and let me begin by saying I regard it as a special opportunity to speak to the Washington Ethical Society 
and to thank you for your service to our residents in this city and in this region and the very special the very special words and comfort and inspiration you bring to all of us. I want to note your 75th anniversary and to say how proud we are that for 75 years you have been in our city and contributed to our city and what our city is today and strives to be tomorrow. Your roots are very deep in this city. I note that you were founded by people active in the civil rights movement when this was a segregated city. That's what the Congress of the United States did, segregated by the Congress of the United States before the district had any say in its own destiny, before it had any home rule, any self-government. That's what the national government, controlled by Democrats, mostly Southern Democrats, uh, did to their capital city. Today, when all the statistics show that Americans are turning away from traditional religions, uh, the use of uh, ethical values rather than a theological basis for making decisions could not be more pertinent. That's where young people are headed as they search for new ways to express their spirituality. In light of my own work as a tenured professor of law and before that as a practicing constitutional lawyer before being elected to Congress, I took special note of, a, of the judicialist uh, opinion establishing ethics as a recognized religion. Thank you very much. <laughs> it suggests that one's ethics can inform important decisions of every kind, just as religion organized religion claims uh, it does. So I thought I'd like to engage in, in an exercise this morning by applying the ethical test to issues that may be on the minds of our residents. I can't help but start with the impeachment <laughs> proceedings. Since it's the issue that's crowding out all others, and is underway. Now I'll get to the ethics of that matter in a moment. But I do want to em em emphasize that the Democrats and Speaker Pelosi, led by Speaker Pelosi, did not rush to take down this president by impeachment. In fact, most of us think we can beat him in the polls. So we weren't trying to get him out early. 
I was particularly reluctant because I was in Congress uh, just there when Clinton was impeached. So impeaching a president is an action that should take, be taken with the greatest deliberation after the people have spoken and the Congress is gonna say he has done, he has taken action such that he should be released from his position before the people have chance to speak again. That takes uh, an extraordinary, or it takes extraordinary action on the part of uh, the president and on the part of the, of the Congress to respond. Uh, the only decision that members of Congress take that is more important is the decision to go to war. I'm not gonna go through the, what you'll hear as soon as the service is over from the television, that is to say all of the uh, reasons. I do wanna say that for many of us, particularly those early, but only after great deliberation and after hearing a lot of evidence, that it was, it was difficult to think of any choice the House could have made except that the choice it did. Uh, not after the President sought to proposition the head of a foreign country in an attempt to undermine uh, a person that Trump regarded as his chief rival in the next election. It was hard to think of any action that could be more serious in a democracy with evidence ranging from the president's own words to testimony from top aides that was taken in the House. I won't regale you with the obvious on the impeachment matter, which is serially portrayed uh, on live television all week and will proceed again on Monday. The House reluctantly uh, impeached and only when the evidence became overwhelmingly overwhelming. The Senate, we predict, is eager to uh, quickly acquit, proceeding with a fast pace to obscure the strength of evidence against the president. Now you will hear, of course, that the impeachment issue is a legal issue. You will hear that it is a political issue. But here at the Washington Ethical Society this morning, I would like to pose the question. What if the question instead was whether the president's action on Ukraine was ethical. <laughs> Framed that way, an honest answer would be easier to get or to give, and perhaps less controversial than framed politically or as a legal matter, because the issue is not being framed that way. The verdict is polarized, and in the Senate one would say the verdict is in. 
nor is what we do in the Congress often framed, as it should be, in ethical terms. Pending in the Senate are 275 bipartisan bills with, with at least some Republican support that have passed the House since Democrats took control in January. Let me give you some examples. A bill to strengthen background checks before the purchase of a gun. That bill has more than 90% of the American people supporting it. Pending in Mr. McConnell's Senate, a bill to raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Try living in the District of Columbia on $15 an hour. And then imagine those who live below the minimum wage. And consider that for many years now, the wages of middle class Americans have gone up very, very slowly or not at all. Or try a third issue, the issue I regard as the most important issue in the world today and in this country today, and that is the fast pace of climate change. To do nothing in the face of the destruction of the world is to is 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 to undervalue the very earth and life we have been given. But Congress would not be divided if it applied an ethical test as to whether or not the $15, the, the minimum wage should be raised to $15 an hour or whether there should be a minimum check before you buy a gun in the United States or whether climate change is an urgent issue for our country and the world. Apply, apply an ethical test, uh, and I don't, do not believe the controversy is stark. And finally, I've got to, I've got to try the test on another issue. American citizens who live in the nation's capital are posing a profound ethical test uh, in the Congress today. Should the residents of the District of Columbia have the same rights in their national legislature as other Americans? Consider this. The citizens of this city pay the highest, please don't forget this figure. Let's say you forget everything else I say this morning. <laughs> but please remember this. The citizens of the District of Columbia pay the highest federal taxes per capita of any state of any place in the United States and have the fewest rights 
of any American citizens. The, citizens, the residents of the nation's capital have participated in every war, including the war that created the United States of America. They are members of my own party who will be put to an ethical test on H.R. 51, as our bill is numbered, our bill to make the District of Columbia the 51st state of the United States. Now, for many, this would not be a test of any kind. This is a part of how the, they think it should always have been. But we captured the House, would not have the majority, were it not from Democrats from what are called Trump districts. These are Democrats who won by one, two, three percentage points. Yet most of these new members are co-sponsors of H.R. 51. And I believe that most of these members, even from those districts, will vote for H.R. 51. Right now, our bill has more co-sponsors than it will take to pass the bill. <laughs> that, that, that's very unusual. You know, we go to the, you know, I co-sponsor every bill I can find for the District of Columbia to make up for all the rights I don't have. <laughs> but uh, most bills go to the floor, the speaker does a, a count, uh, the majority leader does a count, you know, it may have 10 co-sponsors, but we know that bill is gonna pass or the bill wouldn't come to the floor in the first place because we control the floor. But it is very rare for a bill to have more co-sponsors than are needed to pass the bill. It may be that this bill has passed an ethical test for many members of Congress already. We're gonna have a, we've already had a hearing that, over, that overwhelmed the House with those who came we will soon uh, be announcing the markup of the bill to send it to the House floor. We're already nationalizing the bill. We have a hundred, I say nationalizing because we will need to do a great deal more in the Senate. There are a hundred national organizations. Uh, we've had a big press conference. They were chosen or have volunteered because of their success in passing difficult bills in the House and Senate. They are already a cadre to help us in the Senate, and that's even before it gets to the Senate. The Democrats have a good chance of capturing the majority in 2020 in the House and the Senate. That's notwithstanding today's polarized Congress. I have, in the time I've been in the Congress, seen uh, more than politics, 
pass bills. I have seen bills pass because the House was overwhelmed with the ethical implications of the bill. Americans are of many religions, but they do their best when they apply an ethical test to their decisions. Thank you for inviting me. last night I said you died long ago then she said I ain't dead I came back cause I need you to know I saw Brie Newsome climbing up that flagpole she took that thing down the slavery flag will not fly and as long as folks have courage like that, I will never die. They held a general strike. They kicked the governor out. Imagine that. And as long as folks have courage like that, singing in the crowd. Every day I come to far to give up now. Like days of old. Like days of old, we had the freedom fly. I have this faith. I have this faith. I said you died long ago. 
then he said, no, I ain't dead. I came back cause I need you to know. I see a new poor people's campaign going to jail for justice to finish what we began. And as long as folks have courage like that, the world will understand that we did not come this far to give up now. Like days of old. Like days of old, we had the freedom flag. I have this faith. Thank you so much to the DC Labor Chorus for that inspiring music, which to me speaks of the life that Congresswoman Eleanor Holmes Norton has lived and, um, and the fight that all of us share. Yes, we'll just applaud again. I agree. <laughs> and the fight really that all of us share as we work for justice and as we understand that our work for justice is interrelated, that just injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere as Dr. King taught us and that each of our own fights for justice here in the district or decisions that we might make and that our leaders might make. sure that we don't turn this into a, a town hall experience in that sense of interconnectedness and as you greet your neighbor as you say hello whether it's a new face to you or a, um, a face that you have known and loved for many years I invite you to build the interconnection and to build the community that we need to sustain ourselves Hello this morning. 